Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As always, we will thank the good people of New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. And they're there for us, uh, even if we don't necessarily want to do a game preview podcast. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, we do thank our friends and Bud. Uh, you know, we <laughs> we kicked around some ideas tonight, but ultimately, uh, we'll do some listener questions. We got some recruiting updates. We do, we'll do a little bit of a Clemson preview. We only get, you know, 10 to 12 of these a year. And uh, Lord knows when June, July, and August come around, we wish that we will have had actual, you know, game reviews and college football to talk about. So uh, as as much as I think many of us would like to detach and just go to our own little, you know, safe or happy space for the next four or five days and, and let this Clemson game pass over us, we'll uh, give you an idea as to what may be to come. Try to find some of the areas that uh, maybe is not as dramatic of a uh, mismatch and uh, certainly have some roster and recruiting updates to do as well. And with that, uh, we'll jump into tonight's episode of the Nolcast. Man, I, I, I completely agree with you there. By the way, uh, really want to encourage everybody to go back and listen to our listener mailbag that we posted on Tuesday morning. I thought that was one of the better episodes we've done in a while. Uh, and it's a little more upbeat than this show. And obviously with this show, we are going to, uh, we're going to have to talk about some of the bad news that came out today. Uh, we found out about it yesterday and uh, today Mike Norvell, you know, Discussed it. Kevin Purdy had some complications from his uh, collarbone surgery. He had to go in, mess with some, I guess, the like the, the anchoring or, or you know whatever the, the surgical instruments are. Not instruments, thankfully, but the you know, the, the attachments in there. And he's going to miss the rest of the season. So, I mean, there's no other uh, there's no other way to say this. That sucks, right? Like nobody wants to see Kevin Purdy uh, get hurt like that, and or you know go back in, but. I guess at least he'll be ready for the spring. It definitely does suck. And uh, you're right. You know, some of the the evolution as we do this, and I may even more speaking for myself, but, you know, like we got wind that that was going to happen or that had taken place yesterday kind of before it all got out there. And, you know, there's just not a real need or want to even break news like that, I guess you could say. It's just a it's a strange place uh, where the program is in particular. And of course, Chubba Purdy has a further complication with his, with his collarbone. And uh, of course that's the situation. I mean, I, I do think you can take some positive of it. He got some, a decent amount of snaps uh, that garbage time that we talked about in NC state in the last podcast and how, you know, maybe we'll take a little bit more away from that than you would otherwise is, is all the more valuable. And, uh, you know, you certainly have some ideas and you have an idea as to what you can build upon, what you can improve upon with them. Uh, I don't think everything's lost, but, um, you know, yet another tough pill to swallow for a program that's had an awful lot of pills to swallow recently. So, yeah, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. You, you want some good news maybe on this? Please. There's some thought that maybe if like the season was a little bit longer, he could even come back. This is not something that's going to keep him out for a long time, or at least it, it should not. Uh, so he should end up being okay and uh, should be fully participating. So back back for the bowl game is what you're saying? Uh, may, maybe back for the bowl game. I mean, I possibly. Like, can you imagine this team still has a decent chance to go to a bowl game if bowl games are even a thing? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I'm not totally convinced that bowl games are going to be a thing given the you know, the way some of these numbers are, are, are trending. But I think some bowl games could still happen. So maybe if a shoe is bowl bound. Yeah. We, 
we, we should do a live show from the bowl ah, if, if ever she's bowl down. <laughs> like that, just just to celebrate it, just pretend like it's a regular season and yeah, this and is just a great season we're having. And <laughs> put this season in a box and light it on fire. We'll do our first video stream ever as we symbolically burn the hell out of 2020 and move on uh, to things later. Yeah, no, it, it will be fascinating about the bowls because – you know, so many of those are TV uh, projects as well. And obviously during the holiday season, it's different. But even with sports not really, you know, garnering great ratings across the board at this point, um, you know, maybe you have less incentive from the TV perspective. You're certainly not going to have the traditional bowl model uh, that is, you know, getting people to visit town, stay at hotels and all the things that uh, go along with really the reason why bowls games were invented in the first place is, creative acts of, of chamber of commerce really locally. But uh, yeah, we'll see, you know, maybe Florida state will match up with Penn state in some bowl game of uh, two programs who have stumbled on, uh, you know, Florida state more stumbled on rough times, Penn state just having a rather un- unanticipated disappointing season. That would be awesome, man. If they're able to do that. So, you know, best wishes to Chubba Purdy. Uh, I, I guess we should turn the page here now to the Clemson preview where we can discuss the, the impact of Trevor Purdy being out. And, and the one thing that, that I think we have to say about this, uh, and by the way, of course, Clemson preview brought to you by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. These guys are awesome. Chad and Shannon, over 100 loans to Nolcast listeners via mortgages or refis. Ingram, I know you just sent out some more t-shirts to our, to our fine folks, and uh, we're have to order more t-shirts now, man. We, we, we just keep selling all these mortgages. It's it's, it's great. Give them a call, 844-FSU-LOAN. Give them a call, 844-FSU-LOAN. Find out why they're the best in the business with the rates, customer service, knowledge of the industry, and experience. It sounds like Jordan Travis is probably going to be back for this game against Clemson, which is an encouraging sign because if he was not, that would mean that you would be playing Tate Rodemaker. And if you were to play Tate Rodemaker against Clemson, I think you should try very hard to get a lot of contact tracing going. <laughs> you know, if, if he's your only quarterback available against the Tigers. Uh, Clemson comes into this game. Trevor Lawrence will, of course, be back. Uh, they, they played with uh, DJ uh, Uyangalele against Notre Dame. He played pretty well. The Irish kind of loaded up to stop the Clemson run game, and uh, they did so. And he made them pay because they gave him a lot of, a lot of friendly coverage on the outside. And he's a good, good player, and, and ripped him up. But uh, but Trevor Lawrence will be back in this game. I, I've watched a lot of Clemson because I, I have to talk about Clemson for the national podcast. I do the Barton and Bud Show. If you guys want to listen to that, it's, it, I think it's pretty good and it's, it's improving each week. Uh, so Clemson this year is. I, I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year, but I don't think they're that that far off. Um, ultimately, they do a lot of things really well. Still, obviously, they're they're a you know, pretty easy top four, top five team in the country. Even though they did lose to Notre Dame, the only real weakness this team has this year, just in terms of broad base weaknesses, is is they allow a lot of explosive plays. And Clemson has always been a team that has, uh, has been willing to allow some explosives in exchange for getting you off the field quickly with turnovers and with tackles for loss and getting you off schedule. However, this year, they are, they're really allowing a lot more 
in terms of explosive plays and especially like the really, really big explosive plays than they have in the past. Uh, I think part of that is communication in the back end, some injuries to make consistency. And they've also had a bunch of injuries up front on the defensive line, which I believe means they've had to commit more guys to stop the run at the point of attack, which leaves you a little more vulnerable for some of these long, you know, long gains, which is what they've given up. Still, this is an excellent football team. They're 7-1 and one on the year. As I mentioned, they have Trevor Lawrence. He's pretty good. Offensively, they're a little different. Uh, Clemson's run game this year is it's nothing special, despite the fact they have Travis Etienne. That's not going to help you on Saturday because some of these nothing special run games have totally torn up FSU. But I'm just telling you, like, if, if you're interested in a little bit bigger perspective on this, Their run game has not been that great this year. I don't think their run game, like their run blocking is that good. Travis Etienne is, of course, awesome. But everybody else there, it's not not that special. I also think that they probably don't want to run Trevor Lawrence quite as much as, as they've had to do. And this is a team, like if they get to the playoffs, I think they can be had. But at the same time, they have Trevor Lawrence. And he just erases so many things for them uh, that, you know, when you have almost certainly the number one pick in the draft playing for you. On the outside, they don't really have great receivers yet. They have talented guys, but they don't have dudes who are, are killers yet on the outside. I mean, Cornell Powell, Frank Ladson Jr., if he ends up playing, E.J. Williams, the true freshman, Brandon Spector is not, not going to scare you. Nagata really hasn't put it together and stayed healthy this year. On the interior, though, this is where FSU fans pay attention here. Okay, this is big. Amari Rogers is one of the absolute best slot receivers in the entire country. If you thought if you thought there Thomas last week for for NC State was open and frequently targeted, Amari Rogers has 50% more targets than anybody else on Clemson's team. He plays in the slot. This is likely to uh to to cause some issues for FSU. I think they'll probably target Amari Rogers early and often in this ball game. Um so that's not great for, for the Seminoles. They have a pretty good tight end in, in Braden Galloway, who has 19 catches on the year for 230, and they frequently throw the ball to Travis Etienne. Etienne actually has 46 targets and 37 catches for 491. So let me, let me compare that real quick to FSU. FSU's leading receiver is Ontario Wilson. He has 40 targets, 28 catches, and 332 yards. So Etienne has more yards, targets, and catches. He's a running back than anybody on Florida State's entire team. This dude's a weapon, and they do find him ways. They do find ways to get him the ball. Now, I mean, that's not a, a name that's going to be too, you know, unfamiliar with a lot of our listeners. And yeah, you just kind of are sitting here watching Clemson. What you hope is Clemson's golden years. What you hope is is. Uh, you know, this unique collection of talent, they've certainly seen some of it go to the league and uh, you and I and everybody else knows that they've competed or continued to compete at uh, or recruit at exceptionally high level. They're going to have good players, but are they going to have the number one overall pick in the draft? Well, this next kid looks pretty good. I don't know that he's quite going to be what Lawrence is and Etienne is a special back, a, a kid that they got out of Louisiana that's, you know, turned into exactly what his recruiting ranking would have indicated. Um yeah, I you know I, I don't. <laughs> I think in your overview you gave enough. I, I'm not really going to drill down and tell you how much uh, all these other mismatches exist. 
Clemson's wide receivers are young. My concern is that they kind of find themselves on Saturday and, and start to put up um, stats that, that maybe they've looked for for the rest of the year. You know, we'll take from Saturday what we can. Uh, again, on Tuesday, I talked about the – I don't know that uh, as a Florida State fan in my – you know, I'm 37. I would describe myself as probably 30 years plus as a, as a cognizant, diehard Florida State fan. I don't think I've ever gone into a game this detached from – the desire, the expectation of win, and, and certainly the desire. So uh, we'll see what it looks like, see what their offense looks like. I do think that uh, you're going to get a decent performance out of your defense, maybe similar to first-year Willie, uh, where you know you you have a performance for a while, and then kind of once you start to see a crack in the wall, uh, it cracks pretty hard. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me to see not a not the level of play that we've seen from the defensive line the past couple games. I don't think you're going to pressure Lawrence all that much, but relatively speaking, against piece first piece, uh, wouldn't surprise me to see the defensive line be one of the the stronger units of the day, and and maybe have one or two moments where uh, we continue to see some nice growth from them. So can, can you parse that? Can, can you tell me, you know, basically what can you? How much of that is just the team knowing this is such a rebuild phase, and how much of that would you say is 2020 and, and, and the, the rather absurd nature of, of this season? As far as my expectations of the defensive line? or, or No, no, just as far as, as, as like how detached you are for, from the year. Oh, I, I see. I said, yeah, then now that was a, I got you. I think it's 2020. I think all, all of the frailties of this roster have come to light. I mean, the, for me, the, uh, if it won the pit game, then <laughs> it was uh, it it was the NC State game uh, or the other game that you lost. The team had lost four straight games, um, so there's there's been some good choices here to make as to which one that you really kind of ran up the emotional white flag. And then it's the fact that you are you're faced. I mean, Clemson is what Florida State was 20 years ago or whatever. You know, I mean, they, they're loaded. There's four or five stars. At every roster, you're you're facing kind of the it program in college football. Florida State's at its collective low point over the last 35 years. Uh, Clemson is at the you know the uh, the highest water mark that there is in college football right now. So uh, it's certainly some COVID, but I, I think it's more just a realization as to where they are, what they've built, and kind of where Florida State is, and and you know kind of the the climb that they have in front of them and. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how many positives we can take from the game and and what's really there on Saturday. By the way, uh, should we transition? Well, first of all, do we need to do predictions on this thing? Just 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 for posterity, like we only get ten of these a year. Yeah, so fifty three to sixteen. Okay, so you're going what's that 60, 69 points? Nice. Wasn't intentional, but yes, I will go fifty two thirteen. I, I I think that's probably fair. Um, I I don't. I don't know. Clemson has some defensive depth issues, depending on who's back for them. If they're up really, really big, I, I kind of doubt you leave your your starters in forever to to avoid you know getting them hurt. Yeah, I, I really don't know exactly what's gonna what's gonna happen in this ball game. I do know that since 2016, since 2016 draft, Florida State has had three first round draft picks in football. They have had five in basketball. <laughs> Did they just pick up another one since we've been recording? 
Yeah, Devin Vassell just went to the Spurs uh, at number eleven. Fantastic, fantastic. So, you know, we don't we don't talk a ton of basketball, but hey, two picks in the top eleven uh, with um, with Williams tying a, a program record, going fourth overall. Just incredible what they've done, and they had another great uh, recruiting class earlier uh, last week. And the program, you know, we we can't. We can't praise them enough and the incredible job that Leonard Hamilton's done. And, and at the same time, uh, is it not a little bit more salt in the wound? That's the fact that that team didn't get to play last year. I mean, it, it is one of the more disappointing aspects of college, uh, Florida State College athletics over the last, uh, you know, five or six years, undoubtedly. It'll be, it'll be one of the great one Fs of, of, I would say of college sports, because like certainly a lot of people aren't going to think about Florida State basketball, but among Florida State fans, it will definitely be one of those kind of great, like, man, what if they, what if they had actually been able to play that tournament? And they expect to be pretty damn good this year, too, from what I understand. But yeah, man, like that's going to be one of those, damn, like, if they could have just played, they, they would have had a shot at it. I'm not saying they would have won it, but they would have had a shot at it, you know, for sure. Yeah, they absolutely would have. Absolutely would have. So Coach Ham, everybody else, uh, incredible job. That will only uh, continue to pour gasoline on a on a recruiting fire that is burning insanely bright right now. So good for them, and may the football program find its feet again and, and experience some level of success uh, that is only reflective of the basketball. While we're talking, real quickly, hats off to the uh, to the women's soccer team. Won the ACC, beat North Carolina. North Carolina is like the blue blood of all blue bloods when it comes to. Uh, women's college soccer. I think they won like 16 national championships in 19 years at one point. Uh, but a, a really good job from them and impressive what that program's continued to do as well. So there's your uh, Olympic sports moment from the Nolcast. No doubt, buddy. All right. So uh, where do you want to go now? We got uh, got some recruiting chatter. We, we have a new linebacker target to potentially discuss. Hasn't been offered yet, but uh, from what I understand, if she was interested in him, um, got that resource today. We, we, we have a couple more listener questions. I, I think it was, we have a crystal ball pick from, uh, from, from, uh, from Steve Wilfong to discuss if you want to, wherever you want to take this some game. We will thank our friends at Congruity for allowing us to, uh, to operate on an optimized level, just as they would your business. Congruity is experiencing your business optimized with custom HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce risk. Uh, Congruity can help you uh, really throughout the entirety of your business, whether it be compliance uh, and HR, payroll, tax administration, employee benefits. Uh, Contact our friend Matt Lewis. That's Matt Lewis at 844-247-4100 or Knowles, N-O-L-E-S, at congruityhr.com. All right, so linebacker? Linebacker. This is an interesting uh, interesting prospect here. So the kid that uh, has recently popped up on the radar is a prospect by the name of Trevor Moffitt. Uh, Trevor Moffitt is out of, uh, what, Bushnell, Florida, is that correct? South Sumter High School. Pretty impressive uh, highlights to the point where I needed to ask Bud about the level of competition that he was facing because uh, he looks impressive. Currently an Illinois commitment. Uh, has decent bloodlines, is my understanding, and uh, a guy whose tape doesn't bounce, doesn't immediately like scream at you. But I mean, when you watch it, you see a you see a ball player, you see a smart kid, and you see a guy who uh, 
you know, has the ability to continue to get better as any high school prospect would. But, you know, I can see the interest and I can certainly see where it's coming from. Uh, no, uh, Ingram, he is, uh, he's decommitted now from Illinois. Uh, okay. As of, I believe, yesterday. Oh, all right. Well, so FSU has not offered him yet, uh, but uh, but they they could. Uh, I'm not not guaranteeing that they will, but I, I know they have some interest. They they need to improve the linebacker room, um, specifically. I, I think they need to get some guys who can help elevate the culture of the team, and they need to get some guys who can also cover and who can trigger downhill. I, I do not know if Trevor Moffitt can cover very well. Uh, they seem to blitz him an awful lot, and he's definitely an aggressive guy. You know, can can trigger and get downhill. Um, his dad actually is Ben Moffitt. Ben Moffitt is a dude who was an absolute stud for USF back in the day, including and this is a name that will make you feel very old because his dad is the same age we are, uh, and he picked off Pat White in that USF upset of West Virginia back in the day. To, to seal the game. Graduated from USF a year after I graduated from college, and he's got a kid that's looking at Florida State. Yeah, that will make you feel old. You're, you're damn right about that, bud. So uh, interesting prospect there. Yeah, you're right. He did commit from uh, decommit from Illinois uh, two days ago. Can't say that I'm on top of all my Illinois committing commitment news quite like you are, so um, I appreciate the correction there. And uh yeah, talented prospect. We'll see what uh, involved Florida State gets. Uh, normally, you know, when you see Florida State go in on a kid like this, it's not uncommon to see some other big names follow. So, uh, curious to see where the, you know, where this plays out. But uh, eh, names on the list, but nobody that you would necessarily think uh, Florida State wouldn't be able to beat an in-state prospect for if they really made him a priority. Yeah, if they really want him. And of course, the, the deal here is, Every kid that you take in the high school class is one fewer kid that you can take in the transfer portal this year, which is something we have, we have to keep in mind for sure. Um, oh, one thing I meant to, meant to mention in the Clemson preview, uh, Miko Dotson is out for the year. So when it rains, it pours. Uh, but uh, they, Mike Norvell today in the press conference said he does expect him back for next year. I think that's a pretty big deal considering I mean, he obviously would uh, – you know, probably be one of your starters this year. And, and with the assumed loss of Asante Samuel, I uh, would likely uh, be a starter for you next year, assuming he comes back from injury. So he's going to be out for the rest of the year as well, which is you know very disappointing. But, uh, you know, happens. And I guess, guess if it's going to happen, ha- happen in 2020, a, a year that, uh, you know, kind of arguably doesn't count. Yeah, let's go ahead and flush it. Just like we used all our good injury luck in 2013. Let's just go ahead and have every... Every bad thing happened. Go ahead and get that out of the system. And uh, here's to here's to two to three years of fortuitous bounces and and good injury luck and everything else uh, for the next uh, for the foreseeable future for the program. I'm down for that. So uh, let's see. We talked about Luke Altmeyer attending the Old Miss game last week, uh, and Steve Wiltfong of 24/7 Sports caught up with them. It's a VIP article, so I won't give it away. Obviously, a lot of y'all are VIP subscribers, but uh, after speaking with him, he went ahead and dropped a crystal ball for Old Miss, uh, and of course, that'd be a flip pick. Uh, confidence level of six out of ten, so not not one of these things that he believes is uh, is done. Just probably not trending currently in the Knowles way. Old Miss is obviously scoring quite a lot of points. If you guys saw that, they basically just got Will Muschamp fired and. Lane Kiffin through his, through his uh, clipboard slash call sheet 
uh, quite literally into the crowd. Uh, and, and they ha- had to send a GA or a student assistant or somebody up into the crowd to go get it, uh, to retrieve it at, on one of the touchdowns that he called. But they, they've looked really good this year. Uh, FSU has not looked very good this year. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's really concerning because you, you, I think you need Altmaier. He's an important piece. You won't need him quite as much if, if, if Purdy ends up being a hit or if somehow Rodemaker ends up being a hit. But uh, there's no doubt if you're not going to get one of these you know, DJ or Trevor Lawrence or Bryce Young types, the, the way to attack quarterback recruiting is to, to sign as many as possible and let them sort it out. And if you're unable to get Altmaier, I, I don't think they have a legitimate, uh, talented backup plan at this point. And so that, that does hurt your, it just gives you one less roulette chip to play, if you will. Right? And that, that hurts your odds. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and the, this was a big, uh, yeah, I don't want to say a big recruiting win, but it was a, a good evaluation. They got out in front of a lot of the the field otherwise. And, you know, I mean, you always knew this was going to happen. Even six months ago or so, I remember us talking and just saying, look, there's going to be SEC schools. There's going to be schools that are close to home. There's a lot of kind of pressure, a lot of uh, emotions that can, you know, go through a high school school kid as he examines his options and state pride or whatever the hell else kind of goes through people's heads. And that's a tough thing. It's a tough thing for a kid to say no to an in-state school and, and, you know, leave a state like Mississippi and and go to a Florida state, particularly when Florida state's not, you know, boasting of playoff appearances or or playing at the highest level. So um, I expressed my concern a couple, couple episodes ago or in, in our last episode that we did, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of things that can come good on getting evaluations of kids out of state, and just means that at the end, if you're not, you know, if you're not doing great, if you're not playing on the highest level possible, then you're gonna have a dogfight on your hands more times than not to to keep them throughout the entirety of the of the race. So, I agree with that. Um, a couple things there. So they were worried about Bama at the time because Bama is Bama. And then Bama flipped the the, the uh, Jalen Milrow kid from Texas, and so basically that that filled the spot. Bama was not going to take two quarterbacks in this class, uh, but you know, Ole Miss has has been a a worry for a while, and uh, and looks to continue to be a worry. So that that's concerning. Um, but at the same time, Norvell and Dillingham do have a super long relationship with with this kid, which. I'm not saying it's going to be a lock for them keeping Luke Altmaier, uh, but he hasn't flipped yet. And I don't think that that relationship is, is worth nothing. So they, I'm, I, I think they actually have a chance to keep him. Not a great chance, but I, I don't think it's like over and done with necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, we'll see. You certainly have a relationship. They got out. Uh, in front, build things. We'll see if they can hold on to it. And um, I know they like the the relationship that they have with the kid. Certainly, that'll get stressed or, or tested, maybe stress tested even. And uh, we'll have to see. It's a big name, and and all the risks that come with having kind of one of your marquee prospects being in state or an out of state prospect, rather. So, uh, with that, bud, anything else on the recruiting front that we need to uh, touch on? Not particular. Oh yeah, one thing. Uh, do you remember the name Andrew Jones? Um, yes, I do only because I remember, uh, in my mind, uh, 
know, always as a, as somebody who grew up in the Atlanta in the late you know late nineties, early early two thousands, that name sticks with me. But it's a kid who um, I think at the time maybe I unfairly had great concerns with or whatever. But it's a kid out of Louisiana that was previously committed to Memphis. Yeah, exactly right. He has decommitted from Memphis, so maybe something to keep an eye on there. I haven't heard of Florida State going back in on him. Um, I, I don't know if we ever got a verified size on him, but. Uh, but yeah, he, he's decommitted from from, uh, from Memphis, so we'll see. We'll see where he goes. Speaking of Andrew Jones, uh, my buddy in high school, one of my best friends, uh, was was named Andrew, and he was a huge Braves fan. And for graduation, he wanted his name pronounced Andrew, <laughs> as a, a like to pay homage to you know Andrew Jones. finest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so they called his mom and, and said, Hey, like, is this really how his, how his name is pronounced? And she, of course, uh, shut that down. Ruined it. Thanks mom. Thanks. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. So certainly, uh, certainly not great there. Um, what, uh, what else do we have tonight? We've got a couple of listener questions that we, uh, didn't get to, or either came in after our previous show. Uh, we could jump into those real quickly. And uh, I think I had one other thing on the list here that I will go back and, and look to make sure that we didn't miss. But yeah, you know, certainly a, a show lacking formality, kind of reflective of, of the game in front of us. So uh, we'll touch on a little bit of this, that, and the other. So we'll start the questions with TJ's here. TJ says, anxiously awaiting the X's and O's breakdown of this upcoming game. And I'm sure we satiated your full desire there, TJ. Uh, can we get a Photoshop of the entire team at College Town? Shout out Ruben Day on the 17th. So they'd have to quarantine and not play. In all serious, do we have the personnel we can use in the slot? The other way teams seem to be using them against us. I know that it's also a pass rush and linebacker safety and cover issue as well. Just slot always seems to be an issue. Uh, so I, I don't think the guy for NC State is like a special player. But by any strategy, he's, you know, FSU was just not able to, to cover him. Most of that is on true freshman linebackers that that left safeties and corners really exposed. Does FSU have that player on their roster right now who could who could handle that? I, I don't think Keyshawn Helton's been the same guy after injury. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't I don't think he has. Uh, they also don't have a quarterback who can exploit that. I mean, Jordan Travis is not that level of thrower. Purdy is a freshman. Uh, and he's not playing right now, but I, I understand the the sentiment. Um, this is more about FSU's defense playing a lot of literally true freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen who who don't really get how to play yet. I mean, D- Dix just doesn't know what he's doing right now. Uh, Lundy, ditto, and they're playing those guys a lot. E- Emmett Rice looks looks like a football savant compared to those two at, at this point when, when he lines up next to them. And that's not a shot at him at Rice. That's just, you know. No, it's just the truth. You know, when when your other linebacker is literally running across your face because he's chasing Ghost and uh, you're running to the play and making the tackle, then, yeah, you can look uh, look pretty savant-esque. Um, Brian asked, given all the external factors that have impacted this season, being hired as a new coach during an early signing period, inheriting a lackluster roster, COVID, injuries to key players, and the fact that nobody bats 1,000 100% of the time, do you think Mike Norvell's done the best job he could have so far? What things could he have done to have a significant net positive over where we stand today? So things that Norvell could have done 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's things that he could have done, and then there's things that we probably need to say, like there's a reasonable expectation that he could have done. You know, uh, things he could have done without hindsight being 2020. If I can mold Brian's question ever so consider or uh, ever so slightly. Yeah, so I would say, um, obviously, like the thing over the summer uh, could could have chosen his words more carefully. In, in a politically charged situation, that's that's not something that really requires hindsight necessarily. Uh, but I mean, I, I I would say like maybe he should not have assumed that this team was better than its record last year, which I think probably a lot of people taking over the job did. Like you said, reasonably, I think that reasonably you're going to think that a team actually is better than its record if its coach just got fired. You know, like hey, like he didn't do a very good job. They fired this guy after. 21 games or whatever it was for a reason. So, you know, what, like, like that, I have to assume that they weren't well coached. We can get more out of these guys this year and uh, we can instill some habits in them. Things that he should have done. You got anything that's, that's real obvious to you right, right off the bat? I kind of want to table this one. I, I don't know. Like there's, there's some, mm. we had somewhat of a similar question on a, on a previous pod. Um, I mean, you mentioned some of the hires in the recruiting department, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, maybe into the end of the year show uh, to really look back, but no, I mean, like I said at this uh, question or, or somewhat of a related question, I think if he had to do it all over again, Jordan Travis would have been the focus of the offense, but I don't know that that's necessarily something that you could have a reasonable expectation for him to realize We've talked all about that Travis's skill set doesn't really translate to practice, doesn't really uh, show up until until you're playing against a team with the other jersey on. I, I you know, I, I don't have any problem understanding why staffs have a hard time evaluating him sometimes. Um, not being a, a Norvell fanboy, I just don't know of anything that immediately jumps out that you didn't mention. Yeah, I, I, like if you play Jordan Travis against Georgia Tech, do you win? Sure, but I don't know that you could anticipate just how bad this this like this this team was going to be because you don't have anything to measure it against and you're going to sit in practice and from what we understand the defense the defense was was really you know kicking the offense's butt in practice so you probably go into it thinking you have a pretty damn good defensive line and it turns out you, you have an, a decent defensive line overall that has lack of depth at, at end and a really bad pass protecting offensive line so, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe you don't blow so much smoke about Kendo. I mean, does that translate to any difference on the field or whatever? No, it doesn't. No, I, it, doesn't. it does not. But, you know, maybe you have a better idea as to what you actually are um, out there and a better, you know, a better filter to which you have to wash everything through when evaluating what your defense looks like uh, compared to the offensive line that, uh, that at least you were trotting out there. So, uh, final question. Uh, Logan kind of makes more of a comment than a question, but starting to believe we traded our souls for that 2013 title. When does the bleeding stop? Can one predict when we will see positive results on the field again? So I'm just doing a little math here. Right now on this team, you have the 2018 class and the 2020 class, which are transition classes in the early signing period era. Any year that you have two of those classes on your roster, I think you're going to be significantly hampered, right? Next year, you're going to have 18 and 20 classes on the roster still, and you're going to add in the 21 class, which the staff never had a chance to evaluate in person and you know form relationships. So next year's going to be pretty rough, right? 
roster wise, that's probably the least I- ideal set of circumstances, which are almost certainly beyond your control uh, that, that you could have. Now, in 22, that 18 class drops off. 19 is a class that I think you may have some hits in. We'll see what they get out of the 2020 class. If Purdy ends up being decent for you, then I think 2022 is a year that you could start to see some real improvement on the field. That's why you got to be patient with this thing. I really believe in the early signing period era, if you nix a coach after just two years, especially if this is the year you hire the new guy, you're going to be in some trouble, man. Just roster-wise, that's how it's going to be. I think FSU will be aggressive and probably pretty effective in the transfer portal, which is why I think they could be better by 2022. But, I mean, we said this is a year zero before COVID hit. I don't know what you want to call it now. I don't know. Like, am I crazy for thinking 22 is a year they, they could they could get back? No, no. I mean, I, I think 22 is the, the clear choice. Yeah, and, and positive results in my book are, you know, eight to nine wins. Uh, and I think that's a 2022 conversation. Um, it's, t- it's tough because... You know, certainly some of it will be in the transfer portal, but the, you know, some of the leading indicators will be recruiting. And when you start to win some battles over some of the people that our fan base veers, uh, views rather as peers. And then at the same time, like when you do that, you kind of, I don't want to say you throw all these pressure on kids or whatever, but there's expectations that, oh, well, we signed this four-star, he's never going to make a mistake. He's, and then all of a sudden in game three, you know, the guy misses a tackle, uh, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't read a block, right. Whatever it may be. Uh, I just think this fan base has got to be patient with, with prospects, patient with coaches. Um, you know, there is no magic elixir here. Uh, and both be, you know, from, from the coaching staff, from the roster and everything else. And it's going to be a slow build. And uh, just enjoy the, you know, enjoy the process once we start to to see that positive ride. And, and hopefully that ride continues for a long time. And this program kind of reasserts itself to where the vast majority of our listeners uh, believe it, you know, rightfully should sit uh, relative to the kind of the college football pyramid. So we'll have to uh, wait eagerly, uh, await in some cases, and obviously we'll continue to try to give y'all as good of an idea as to what that process looks like. Certainly want to encourage you to visit our longtime sponsors, uh, Madison Social, anytime, but particularly this weekend, if you're headed to the game, um, you know, they've been great to us. They've been great to, to many people associated with Florida State Athletics. And uh, it is still a hell of a challenging time in the hospitality industry. And uh, weekends like this are what, keep institutions uh, alive. Now they're not going anywhere. I'm not trying to uh, insinuate anything, but uh, it's critical. Weekends like this allow people to be hired, give people jobs. Uh, if you're in Tallahassee, you have the opportunity to have a beer to uh, order a, a Nolcast Bloody Mary uh, from our good friends over there in College Town. It is certainly appreciated from Bud and I, and uh, you know anything you can do is, is, uh, is but a, uh, a big thank you from us. All right, buddy. Uh, we'll see you Monday. See you Monday, bro. And we'll draw uh, electronic star. Shaw. <laughs> we will draw electronic straws and uh, see who ends up having to do the instant on Saturday. But uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you as always for listening to the Nullcast. And if you get a chance to give us a five star review on whatever your preferred platform is, uh, we certainly we certainly thank you. This has been the Nullcast. 
The Knollcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Thank you.